Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome to Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning. Do really appreciate that beautiful day in the capital city. Uh, a little bit windy, but otherwise, it you know it looks like a, a pretty nice day. It's certainly not 20 below anymore, so that's nice. And uh, I think a good show today. Uh, Kim feeling a little bit under the weather, as they say, so she's not able to join us this morning. But you know what? Um, she sent in Tracy Dahl. So, Tracy, thanks for coming in this morning you i said when uh, i went out to to meet you out there you know i i appreciate you drawing the short straw this morning i think it's going to be a good chat <laughs> thank you so much for having me i'm happy to be here yeah i mean it's it's one of those things you know kim she said she's going to be all right she just doesn't feel good she doesn't want to bring her crud in and you know what i appreciate that and plus she needs to just stay home and rest up anyway yeah, I don't think Kim ever stays home, so this yeah. is pretty unique for her. She doesn't know <laughs> what to do right about now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Tracy, you're a clinical supervisor out at uh, Intermountain, right? That's correct. Okay. I'm in our therapeutic education department, so okay. I supervise school-based programs. Okay. So uh, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, just tell us, you know, what, what's the Tracy Dahl story? You've been at Intermountain, you were telling me, for five years now? Uh, getting going on five years, okay. right? And I, um, I've been in school-based programming uh, in Montana for um, around eleven years since two thousand ten, and I've worked in quite a few different school districts. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor, um, and I now supervise teams all the way up to the Flathead and down to Boulder, and then some here in the Helena area. That's a huge area. Yeah, we have we have services in quite a few areas in the state. Yeah. So how did you how did you get into that role at Intermountain? Like what led you there? I think there's just kind of a natural path when you work in an organization and you've done the work in the trenches for a long time. Pretty soon you start to feel a little bit of a responsibility to the newer folks who are coming on board to start to share some of your experience and knowledge and you just kind of naturally work into more of a role of guiding and leading, I think. Yeah. So clinical supervisor, what does that mean? What What does the day-to-day job actually look like for you? <laughs> I never know <laughs> from one day <laughs> to the next. Um, but normally it's kind of just helping out our, new, our supervisors that are um, working in our schools, in teams, and our direct care staff. Um, we have teams, like I said, deployed in numerous schools and districts throughout the state. And so they're pretty autonomous in their roles, Mm. but they are in kind of remote, um, pockets. So supporting them and kind of, um, coordinating communication between the teams and the administration of the school districts and supporting them with their caseloads and their kids and understanding how to work with the different um, diagnosis that they might run into in the schools and um, helping them develop treatment plans. Yeah, so they keep you busy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you say Kim's never sitting still. I, I, I know you can't be either. Tracy Dahl is with us this morning from Inner Mountain, and uh, your service is such a vital part of uh, of communities. I mean, how, how have they changed, though, during this, this last year? I mean, certainly they have. I think they've changed. I mean, we've changed many times day to day. There's changes based on 
um, the way that this virus has changed, right, and how we need to respond to it and how we need to apply different safety protocols. And so, I mean, much the same that all of our frontline workers are changing on a daily basis, the way that we have been able to work with kids or the way that we have been able to uh, provide services has changed. I mean, we've, we've changed just in our school-based programming. When there was no school um, or when schools were remote, we were reaching kids and families um, virtually and sometimes, you know, meeting them outdoors instead of in a school like we're used to. So our clinicians were extremely flexible and extremely creative in finding ways to connect with kids when we couldn't connect with them yeah. at school. Yeah, well, and part of your job is it's supervising and, and training all of these mental health therapists. I mean, how has that changed just in that aspect of it? Because everything for them has changed too, the way they have to go about things, the way that, you know, even, even the, the, the normal, the standard issues that they face, they're not normal and standard anymore. Sure. And I think, uh, you know, like everyone, we've gotten really good at Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> and so right. a lot of our meetings and trainings have taken place over Zoom and we've had to become really proficient at using it. Uh, I think that's been vital in staying connected with clinicians. And like you said, doing that training piece um, and meeting with them to do our supervision sessions. Um, but we've also tried to keep the personal piece of it together. So, I mean, there's times we've met on people's decks outside and we've gotten together in some really creative ways just so that we could continue to feel like we have those personal relationships with each other. Yeah. Uh, We've talked with, um, you know, the Friendship Center, professionals in in that arena. We know that calls really kind of stopped for a while during this pandemic. The phones, you know, it Sounds like, uh, you know, across the board, kind of eerily quiet. Nobody was calling saying, I need help, even though in many instances, the need actually increased. Um, But just because everybody was together, quarantine, that sort of thing. Same with people suffering from various illnesses, going to uh, the hospital. They weren't going to see their doctor. They weren't, you know, are are you seeing the same thing or were you where things kind of just slowed down despite the need maybe increasing? I think in some aspects we have seen a decrease in um services being provided but i think that that's a fault you know like you say that's a false uh sense of what's actually going on Um, people are very isolated during this time and some people don't necessarily have access to electronics um and they don't have a way to connect with our services but we've also seen quite an increase in, in a lot of people seeking mental health services. Um, some of our, our outpatient wait lists have you know, gone up. Our numbers for referrals have gone up in, in other areas. So even though there's kind of this calm um, that we're seeing in some pockets, but I think people have dropped off the map Mm -hmm. or have become so isolated that they're unable to seek services Um, in other areas we're seeing a spike and a real need for mental health yeah i mean it's such a tough time Uh, we've got tracy doll in she's a a clinical supervisor out at intermountain and um, when we talk about the therapists that you work with they're not 
working just with the kiddos. I mean, they're working uh, a whole family, right? Because issues, no matter what they are, they, they don't happen in a vacuum. So you're doing a lot of family work as well. Absolutely. And that has definitely increased during this time. And I think it's been a good thing, too, for our school-based clinicians because for periods of time, our kids have been at home rather than at school. And so we've had increased contact with family members and we've had the ability to work with families in a way that we haven't been able to work with them before and to reach families um, at home and they've been actually more engaged than they have been when we're just working with their kids at school. Yeah. What are the kinds of things that you're seeing right now that are maybe more pronounced uh, in our kids? Or, you know, is there really anything, maybe something that's new that you haven't really seen that's you're all of a sudden now this is happening more and more? Sure. I mean, I think particularly when we look at adolescence, um, we're seeing a lot of, anxiety, depression, and that comes from the isolation factor too because our our adolescents and teenagers are in a stage of individuation where one of the most important things that they can do is spend time with their peers. And they haven't been able to do that this year. I mean, they've missed a whole year of, of developmental tasks that they're not able to do. I mean, when you think about it, when you're in high school, the reason you went to school was to hang out with your right. friends, right? And you're hanging out in the parking lot and you're hanging out in the hallways and at your locker. And the most, the best part of your day was seeing your friends. And now that's so limited for kids. And for many months, it was very limited depending on how your family chose to isolate. You may not have seen your friends for a long time. And that was extremely hard on kids, not just socially, but developmentally. Yeah. You, um, pizza day was also a big one, Tracy. You, you <laughs> Absolutely. Wanted that, you wanted that corner piece. You know, <laughs> the, the one with all the cheese. Yeah. And yeah. you felt ripped off if you didn't get very much <laughs> cheese right. on there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Tracy Dahl is with us this morning. She's a clinical supervisor out at Inner Mountain. And uh, we're going to continue our chat, but we do have to take a break. So we'll go ahead and we'll do that now. Uh, give her a breather and then we'll come back and chat more on Coffee Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back. This is Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. I do appreciate that. And uh, we've got Tracy Dolan. She's a clinical supervisor out at Inner Mountain. And we had fun in the first half chatting. And I, I guess, now, Tracy, we, we got to get serious at some point every once in a while on this show. And uh, we we talked about during uh, sort of the, the promo that we've been playing about the show that this is a, it's a difficult, but it's an important conversation to have sometimes. Um, one thing that nationwide is being talked about 
is there's some areas, many areas we're seeing an increase in, uh, in suicide among kids. And you are, as I understand, part of the local suicide prevention coalition, right? Yes. Okay. New to that coalition, but not new to the problem that we have in Montana with suicide. Okay. Can you, I guess, can you tell us what the, what is that coalition all about? You know, and who, who, who makes up that coalition? Like, how, how does that work? What is that? Uh, it's a lot of different community members uh, with an interest in preventing suicide, and I think that that is the goal, is prevention um, and providing resources and training to individuals and, and groups and organizations and anyone who wants it to uh, prevent suicide in, in Montana. Yeah. Are, are, are there specific programs happening, or is this, I mean, is a huge part of it just sort of raising awareness i mean I, we, we certainly know but i mean raising real awareness where we're actually paying attention i think that that is definitely the goal and there are some very specific trainings out there to give people the tools um to really help others and to be there and to be able to ask the question and to be able to provide people with support and referrals and get them to someone who can help them yeah it's one of those things that it is hard to talk about. Um, and, you know, I think if you just put a, a blanket statement on it, guys don't like going to the doctor because if we go to the doctor, something's wrong. It's sort of the same thing, right? Like we just don't talk about it because then we know something's wrong. I mean, it's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about, but the link is being made in many instances between schools in, in many places shutting down and, and sort of this increase in attempts um, is is that fair, do you think? I mean, knowing what you know about schools and, and, and the roles that they play in in kids' lives, is is that a, a fair assumption to make before we – we don't have statistics yet, so we can't look at hard data, but it, it would make sense, right? Well, I don't, I, I don't think it's only – it's not only fair, it's – there's a direct link to the statistics and the factors that contribute to suicide in that – Social isolation is one of the known factors to suicide and suicide attempts. And so, and particularly in Montana, there's several factors that contribute to Montana being, you know, the in the top five states leading mm -hmm. in suicide numbers for the last 30 years. Social isolation is one of those factors. And so if you increase social isolation, it's, it's going to lead to increased depression and additional suicide attempts in my mind that yeah. you can draw that line and connect the dots well and it, it makes sense because you, you look at that list of top five it's typically the western states isn't it it's alaska it's montana you know it, it, i think wyoming is a lot of times in that list i mean it, it makes sense because the very reason that makes Montana and those other places great is sort of that contributing factor. And I, I think we can understand the, the issue in general and on the surface, but this is your world and, and your expertise. Can, can you explain it a bit and, and just kind of help us understand a little bit more about what's happening? I mean, what, and what we can do? Sure. I mean, there's, there's a few other factors besides social isolation mm -hmm. that, that several of those states do have in common. Um, there's a lack of behavioral health services and, and resources, um, or they're very spread out, and we have a lot of people in rural areas. Um, vitamin D deficiency 
can definitely play a factor. Um, stigma, you know, in, in these Western states, we're kind of a um, pull yourself up mm-hmm. by your bootstraps and take care of yourself. And like you said, it's something that we just don't want to talk about. Um, we want to pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, altitude can play a factor, mm. uh, which is interesting. I know that that's not something that people often think about, but um, there's a metabolic stress that's caused um, by long-term oxygen deprivation, and you'll see a spike in suicides at altitudes over 2,500 feet. And in Montana, wow. most of our suicides occur um, above 3,500 feet. So hmm. that's just a geographical. Yeah, um, I'd never of, heard that. That's interesting. Kind of factor that can contribute. Um, socioeconomics contributes in Montana. About one fifth of our our kids here live in poverty, and when you look at the factors of this year, um, again, that's going to increase uh, financial stress on a lot of our families. So there's another factor that can be intensified. Yeah, and well, and that's just it, right? Is that many of these factors were already there, right. and now they just got you know multiplied. Correct. It's the same factors. It's just now they're it, it, it it's blaring rather than knowing it's there in the background. Yeah. Yeah. In Montana, I mean, I think people know Montana traditionally just that that's a problem that right. we've got. And this is a serious concern, um, not just over there on the news, right? Like we see it, we hear about it somewhere else. I mean, it's it's here, it's in our communities. Right. And it, it, is, is part of this just being willing to talk about it? I think that's a huge part of it. And the only other thing that I, I guess I'd like to touch on just mm-hmm. briefly is means because Montana and many of, like you said, the Western states, are we're gun states. We like our guns. And I have no problem with that, but... Um, when, when it comes to lethal means, many, uh, many of our suicide attempts and completions, well, completions are, are done with guns. So that is something that needs to be considered during this time, especially, and when, particularly when we're talking about kids and adolescents who can be really impulsive, is gun safety. And just if you have them and you have kids or you have any concern about um, kids, we got to lock up our guns. We got to keep keep kids safe and and keep our families and our homes safe too. So, yeah. yeah. Tracy Dahl is our guest on Coffee Break this morning. She's a clinical supervisor out at Inner Mountain, and uh, we get her for about another eight minutes this morning. Um, what are you? Um, what are the folks at Inner Mountain hearing? from kids right now i mean let, let's get it right i guess i guess you're you know it's not right from the mouth of the kids but it, it's as close as we can get um it, because i i think so often there's a filter to parents you know that, that we don't always get it that, that you probably get a little bit more close to 100 percent truth um from kids that are struggling than we do so so what's going on i mean it, what are you hearing well, for the first time ever, <laughs> maybe I'm hearing kids are excited to be back in school <laughs> yeah. um, or excited to go to school. Uh, kids are really struggling without that peer interaction. They miss their friends and they miss being around people and they're really struggling being so isolated. Um, 
and it's hard. They're they're having a hard time with it, and they're having a hard time. I think with um, having to deal with what they're feeling are adult problems when they're at home as well. So not only are they home and isolated from their friends, but they're also getting a lot of stress from um, the stress that adults are under right now too. So they're kind of being burdened in a lot of different ways. Hmm. So obviously this is all individualized, right? But the, there, there have to be some commonalities. So what can we as parents, as grandparents, as you know, neighbors and community members, what can we do to help? I think one of the most important things you can do for your, for your kids is remember that they're kids um, and attune with them be open to them, you know, talk with them, but allow them to talk too and um, be there to support them, help them to problem solve and um, try to keep the adult problems to the adults and let the kids uh, have their uh, kid issues and help them to learn how to creatively solve their own problems and um, Help them, too, to have a sense of hope in all of this and maybe find ways that you can help or volunteer. When kids have the belief that they have the power to control some of their circumstances, they'll have hope. So, you know, finding a way for them to do something that's helpful in all of this, I think, gives them that sense of control. Yeah, and that's interesting. You talk about uh, you know sort of pushing the idea of uh, of hope, you know, and, and I think a lot of times kids don't see that long term, do they? They see today, maybe tomorrow, or Saturday. You know, they they see the weekend. They they it's just the way their brains develop and the way that you know kids that they just don't see that long term. Like I, I'm sitting here going, you know what? That the light at the end of the tunnel. I, summer we might be pretty good at summer kids aren't looking that far down the road are they no kids are very much in the moment very much in the next five minutes yeah. <laughs> you mentioned saturday maybe maybe right. they can look right. to saturday but yeah they're they're very much in the moment and so helping them to do something in the moment um about the situation i think could be very helpful yeah tracy doll is our guest on coffee break this morning as she's out at inner mountain and school is heading back obviously that's going to help um you know that, that's going to be a huge boost but the problem isn't cured right like school's back okay we're good that, that that's not it i mean we still have to sort of remain vigilant here i mean the there are underlying problems that aren't going to be cured, and that that's really where we have to still be aware, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I think approaching this with a balance of caution um, and optimism is important. So continuing to understand that there is still issues, things aren't going away, but also, again, having some hope and some mm. optimism for the future and trying to you know, have a healthy balance of both is important. So that awareness, what does that look like? And, and, and what do we need to do, right? Because I think a big thing is how do you differentiate between moody teenager and something that's more serious? Yeah, I think that that is a good question. Um, but when teenagers, looking at teenagers, the signs, um, when kids really start withdrawing from their friends and their peers, uh, grades start going down. If you notice any substance use, 
um, irritability uh, and hostility can also be signs of depression in teenagers, um, lack of appetite, insomnia, things like that, that you're noticing. When those types of things intensify, that's more than just a moody teenager. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's a struggle for parents because they really want their kids to talk to them. Um, and again, it's just important to remember that uh, teenagers are in a stage of individuation, so they may not talk to their parents, and it's important maybe to just seek seek help, whether it's a school counselor or, you know, a clinical counselor or a trusted family friend or clergy or, you know, whoever your child will talk to, and there's no need to be worried or feel ashamed that they won't open up to you. That That is typical in a developmental right. stage so one of those things where it's you know make clear that you don't have to talk to me but you need to talk to somebody right yeah and, and i guess we say teens because that's sort of the default but it, it's not just teens that are having these problems either is it right i mean no. young younger kiddos are, are also struggling here absolutely yeah i think sometimes it's a little bit easier to recognize in younger kids um or the signs might be a little more obvious and younger kids sometimes are more willing to open up, so that might be a little bit easier to uh, recognize sometimes than teenagers. But for sure, across the board, everyone's struggling. Yeah. Well, and I guess there's there's sort of that built-in fear of, um, you know, what if I'm wrong? You know, what what if they just had a bad day? Um, you know, or what if I make it worse, right? That we, we sort of talk ourselves out of these things, but you're not going to make things worse, right? I mean, it's okay to talk with your kid. Well, I don't think, I think, (laughs) I think it's great to talk with your kid. And I don't think um, you can make things worse by showing interest and showing love Mm. and caring about your child. But the alternative of not talking, um, if you err on that side, the results could be pretty devastating. So when you look at outcomes, the outcome of talking to your kid or showing extra interest um, there's really not too much for consequences there. Consequences of not doing that right. are difficult. We've got, uh, Tracy, we've got uh, just just under a minute left. Uh, so I guess the first step is recognition. Um, and then what? Like, What should we do if there's people out there that are going, I, yeah, some of the things you mentioned, yes, I'm seeing that. What do they need to do? You can always... You can text or call the um, National Suicide Prevention Hotline, um, and that number is 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. You can text MT from Montana to 741741. Um, those numbers can also be given to your kids. You can locally reach out for support to um, Intermountain. You can um, go to your nearest emergency yeah. There's room. help out there. There's definitely yeah. support and help out there. Um, school counselors are a wonderful resource for supporting you and getting you to um, help. Right. Tracy, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.